I remember the first time I heard someone say, fuck the system. It sounded so cool. I was like, well, fuck yeah, I'm all in. I want to listen. I was like 84 or more, probably like 100% all in. I was with them. And then somebody came along and whispered some wisdom. She said, young man, listen, life is a lot less about making love to the system and a lot more about untwisting from self-imposed prisons. There's three of them, she said, let me list them. The first one is the prison of the mind. If you've never taken the time to unwind and see how they've used thoughts, belief systems, and storylines to keep you in line, never question, is any of this shit in my mind mine? And more than likely, it's not. Like most of us, you've been living a pre-programmed system. The only way to step out of that prison is you start questioning every old, new, and original thought. You start stepping out of line. You start chanting, I am no longer robot. The second self-imposed prison is the prison of consumption. Everything I put in front of my eyes, the things I allow my ears to hear, the stuff I put in my mouth and the environments I force my skin to be in, it is either medicine or mayhem. Something that's either been sent to help heal me or hurt me. Something that will either contain me or help set me free. Once you figure out the keys of consumption, you will be handed the keys of the kingdom and be able to freely walk in and out of any self-imposed prison. The third one, she told me just like everybody else, I would need to figure it out for myself. She said everybody has a third one and they usually know exactly what it is. It's usually been something that's been around from the time that you were a kid. She told me I would need to figure a way to tunnel myself out and then turn around and help other people out. And it would be the only way that I could guarantee that I would stay out was by helping other people out. Then she winked at me, gave me a high five and a pat on the back, and she hopped in the back of a jet black 77 Cadillac and had a Cartier clock on the dash with the hands frozen in time at 8.48 a.m. She rolled down a heavily tinted window and lit a Bel Air 100 cigarette. It was menthol, I could tell by the hint of mint in the air, and as the smoke slowly rolled out of her nose, she said, hey, kid, one more thing. Don't have any opinions on any religions or play any kind of games with politics till you know how to wake up every morning and use all your energy and creativity to govern over your own inner territory. Use all that power and juice to govern over yourself. Then you don't have to worry about making love to the system. You can sit back with a big old bowl of popcorn and watch it go fuck itself. Then she said, then you will understand freedom. And now for something a little different. I'm success coach and serial entrepreneur, Carla White, and I'm on a mission to wake the shift out of you. Filled with honesty and humor, this show is designed to lower your stress, increase your income, build your relationships, and make your journey a lot more fun. Welcome to Radical Shift. Welcome back, Radical Shifters. I'm your host, Carla White, and the intro you heard my dear friend, Travis Jacobs, wordsmith, and modern day Dr. Seuss. That was a piece that he wrote and read. And in this podcast, you get to meet him and hear his backstory, and he will help you discover how to use creativity, how to use your words, and a pen and a piece of paper to unfold your experiences. He has quite the backstory. So Travis is the author of three books, Wolf and Words and Winged Words, and also um, the Endangered Human Traveling Guide. So those are the three books that he wrote, and they are unique rhythmic storytelling. And he uses that, or you, his unique rhythmic storytelling to help hustle, hope, healing, humor, and high fives to the human experience, as he says it. 
and he performs his poetry to all sorts of places, prisons, schools, churches, recovery centers, and businesses. He has free writing classes that he offers to veterans and their spouses to help them unfold their healing, expression, and connection through putting pen to paper. He also has two prison poetry groups, one at the South Dakota State Penitentiary and the other at the Jameson Annex Penitentiary. And along with the sister Tessa, he co-founded TNT Healing, which is a nonprofit that offers free writing experiences to adults and children who have experienced trauma. And if anybody knows that, uh, Travis has had a lifetime of it. He has went through his own chemical dependency release. He has dealt with grief on a whole nother level. And in this podcast, you're going to hear a story and it's completely unfiltered. So be ready for something amazing. We're recording. All right. So here I am with the amazing Travis Jacobs. And uh, I I want to kick things off by just hearing your backstory because, uh, you know, we launched out, we heard some poetry that you've done and uh, you're, you'll recite some more for us in this interview. But I, I really am curious about how you even got started on writing poetry. I started writing. My dad is actually a writer. He writes a lot of um, commercials, that type of stuff. So when I was a kid, I was exposed to a lot of different styles of writing. Um, I started, I liked poetry in school. I liked the rhythm of it, but I more gravitated towards the storytelling and rap music. So it was kind of that, that's what got me really interested in it. Cause I wasn't, uh, I wasn't Robert Frosty, even though I liked, I, there was something about it that I liked that just wasn't my style. And then Somebody gave me, uh, it was my eighth birthday. Somebody gave me a fat boy. Remember the fat boys? They're just these really big guys. And they had a rap yeah. tape. Yeah, for my eighth birthday, they gave, I still remember it. Like they gave it to me for my eighth birthday. And then I fell in love with just with that style of storytelling. So you've been writing since like eight, nine, or? I've, what I was doing is I was, and now that I know what, what writing is, is I was trying to find my voice without knowing that that's what I was doing. So a lot of times when you're trying to find your voice, you're just finding stuff that you like that you can relate to. So I was just doing a lot of, you know, rapping along with them or trying to figure out what my, what my style was. And a lot of times you don't have enough life experience to write about anything other than I think this girl's cute, you know, and trying to write, <laughs> you know, that's about all, all you got you know. <laughs> so had you always been writing then since you were eight? Like, did you continue on all through your teenage years and youth and all of that? Or did, was there a point where you abandoned it because it was silly or not? Yeah, I abandoned it a lot of it because of, I had, I had, you know, like a lot of people, I had some teachers that were really good teachers. And then I had other teachers that were not so good teachers and very discouraging towards my style or, just basically ruined writing for me like that I you know so I didn't feel like my stuff fit in anywhere so I kind of put it aside and then uh, it was more after high school when I started working in radio and I worked at a rap station down when, when I was down in Tennessee in, in Knoxville Tennessee and really started getting into rapping again and going to conferences with my dad like writing conferences and then I was getting exposed to different kinds of uh of artists, you know, like street poets and slam poets at these conferences. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's my style is it's a combination of storytelling and rhyming is I didn't fit in any of the early boxes. So 
I kind of gave up on it because I didn't fit in with anybody. And then once I found my group and my style, then I was like, okay, this is, this is the style that I like, you know? So how old were you when, when that happened? Uh, early twenties, like 20, 21, 22 is when I really right. started to write all the time. Like I then, then once I found my style, cause it was really frustrating to know I wanted to do something, but not know uh, how, how to get it out, how to express it. But then once I, I've had an early writing mentor who told me, he said that I should abandon trying to compete with anybody or anybody's writing style is I should only focus the rest of my life on finding my style and cultivating it. That's my only, he said, that's really your only assignment is cultivating your own style and focusing solely on that, which Man, is great advice. Yeah, right? Isn't that just killer? Because uh, uh, comparison will just kill every ounce of creativity. Right. You, right? But here's the trick. Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Comparison is the biggest killer. But here's the trick with that, with that statement is he was one of the few people that said it and actually meant it. Because what I found was people tell you to be original until you are. And then as soon as you are, they say, well, no, you should probably hop back in a lane or a box or, you know, a formula. And that's what the battle was. But he was actually one who meant it when he said it. And because mm -hmm. I, I would then I then I would do this style and be like, well, that's not really poetry. That's not really rap that, you know, so I'm like, wow, everybody says be original until you try to do it. And then they're like, get back in your lane or get back, do it like everybody else. So I think that's a big thing for anybody who creates is to know that. People will tell you to be yourself and be original, but the minute you do it, they're going to say, but not like that, but not, not, not all the way you, you know? So that's, that was another wow. important life lesson. That is huge because uh, I will say you are not in a lane as far as I know. Um, and, and it's that originality. I always say, you know, everybody has their own way of connecting the dots. And it's that originality of how you connect the dots, that that is your dharma or your calling. And um, to get in a lane, I feel like then you're just giving that up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think when you when you find that you need you need the energy and the creative power that comes in your originality to be able to do that kind of work. Like it doesn't, when you're spending all that creative energy trying to put on masks and trying to fit in, mm -hmm. it's one of the things I teach in my writing classes is you're wasting that juice trying to fit in. You're wasting the juice trying to change in and out of personality types that aren't yours. And if you can just be yourself, you can use all that energy to create. Yes. And which, makes me wonder how do you find your creative juice like for some people and there's famous directors that'll say look you got to sit down for four hours before you can even tap into your muse what about you like are you are you sitting in front of a keyboard for hours or does it just strike you as you're out for a walk how does it come to you i think the process for me and and i think for a lot of people because I, I like to read writers books on writing because i like to hear other people's process too I think you have to figure out what works for you because I've tried the every morning wake up, sit there for four hours until you're done. I've heard other writers say sometimes you have to step away from writing and let the well fill back up. And I found for me, it's a combination of, of all of the above. I, I usually pick a few days out of the week, which are my early morning, wake up and sit at the computer and hammer it out. Uh, but I'm not an everyday writer type. I don't, that doesn't work for me. It's kind of like a, I look at that like it's a lot like my so I have two dogs one's a German Shepherd and one's a Bulldog 
and the German Shepherd always goes and the Bulldog never goes. I'm like a combination of the in-between where I just like to go sometimes. And when I go, I go hard. Like when I go, I'm, I'm working, like I'll, I'll go for really long periods of time. Like I'll wake up at 3.30, 4.30 in the morning when I'm doing those days and I'll write almost the entire day. But then the other days, I don't want to do anything. Oh, wow. So like how many, how many pieces have you written so far, do you think? Of poems? I, yeah. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know. I like that, that I write a lot of times, you know, write, I don't even know. I don't even know. A lot. <laughs> a lot. I'm, a trying, lot. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, I know I've written over, I can tell you this because once, uh, when I transferred, transferred a phone one time, I, I lost, uh, this made me super upset, but I transferred a phone that was supposed to be backed up and I lost over 400 files on the cloud. So I lost, I mean, so that, that gives you an idea of how much I have, like 400 of them were just gone. So that, that was almost a freak out in the cell phone store. It was a freak out in the cell phone for a moment. But, so I would, I would say over, over, but you know what they say with writing, I got this one from Mr. Rogers and I've heard the same thing when, when you write and then you really, it's almost like you need it. And he had somebody tell him once that you can't just write a song. You have to write a barrel full of songs. Mm -hmm. Like you had, so Mr. Rogers went out and bought a barrel and filled it full of songs. And you know, you have to just keep writing them. And some of them are, will turn into something that can go in a book. And then some of them will just get lost in the cloud, you know, but that, you know, um, they're not all going to be in books and they're not all going to be, some of them are turned into videos or, or something that I put on an album, but. So your Facebook lives or your uh, YouTube videos where you're reciting your poems are uh, to perfection, I would say. There's no stumbling. There's no ahs, ums, nothing. Like, how many Thank times you. does it take you? And do you do that? Like, is it one take and it just comes out or? No, I you... wish it was. I wish it was, but it's not. <laughs> and then it's. It's like a lot of things, you know, you have, you have issues with stuff. So you have technology issues, but that's where I, I learned from some people on how to do it, where I am. Um, I learned that the style of delivery and how to perfect it from the rap group Outcast. They would talk about how they would do their rap and they would run around the block to get their wind right and get their rhythm right. So you could always have it, you know, so I do a lot of the stuff. I practice it. Um, I'll, like I'll, I'll be on my treadmill and I'll, and I'll run it while I'm walking and, walking a little too fast to keep up um but then it really depends the longer i've done it i've researched stuff too on how to speed up the process because i know when people want to start doing that style of poetry from memory for you can do it there's competitions and that kind of stuff it's boring work it's very boring it's repeating the same thing over and over and over again so i do a lot of it while i'm driving too but it's a lot of that repetition separates a lot of people from actually completing that style because it's, it's boring, I'll be honest. It's super right. boring. Oh, well, Every that's... time I do one, I hate it. Every time I do one, <laughs> I, I hate it. Because I'm just like, by the time I do it, I hate it. Like, I've done it and, so but many everybody times. else loves it, Travis. That's the <laughs> thing. Everybody else is eating it up. I know when I see them, I watch them like three, four times in a row. Because I'm just that's like, good. so <laughs> gobsmacked at how perfect not just perfect i mean the take is perfect right getting the words out but then also what you created as well it's just so engaging from the start to the end so um you do a lot of charity work which is pretty cool can you tell me what you're doing there 
Yeah. So I have this organization that I founded with my sister. It's called TNT Healing, and it's focusing on helping people uh, writing better stories, but then also writing a better life story as well. It's uh, com combining the creative writing process and then also doing some rewrites on life. So it gives people the opportunity to find expression and connection through writing and the groups my sister and I both had a similar story where we both had an addiction and depression kind of storyline. And we both turned that around in our lives and realized how expensive it was. It was very expensive to, it was, it was probably, not probably, it was cheaper for me to live a crazy lifestyle of just medicating the pain than it was for me to heal. Took a lot of resources and I borrowed a lot of money to do a lot of programs to try to get my mind and my body and my spirit right. So we were like collectors and seekers of how do you heal the human experience, the mind, the body, and the spirit, and give people an opportunity to change themselves and their family and generations of their families. And we wanted to put it all together and then give it to groups of people who wouldn't have an opportunity to have it any other way. So people donate to our organization and we show up and we partner with different groups of people veterans organizations and the prison and some of the classes that we teach the people are experiencing 100% homelessness like we started full-time back in uh, October and I would say almost half of the classes that I taught were people who were homeless experiencing homelessness um, and what sort of transformation do they experience by going through that class then uh, so each class is, is uh, slightly different, like it's, it's tailored to the group. So like a, uh, a class like that would be, it's, it's a re they don't, they're not really in a space to take on any more stress and do some deep healing. So it's a connections class. It's, a re it's, a, it's basically like a recess from life. It's a, it's a really fun, interactive, lots of laughing, and it's an hour of forgetting about everything else that's going on outside so you can get that good energy going. and. Uh, and we give them, my mom's part of it too. She takes pictures. So we make these journals. So everybody that takes the class gets this writing journal. And the cool thing about writing is it's a free therapist that's always available any time of the day. So you don't have to schedule an appointment. There's no copay. There's no, um, wow, I just told my story to somebody for three months and it didn't work. <laughs> so great. Um, I always, love that. You can yeah, always go put ahead. pen to paper. You can always put pen to paper. And then um, we always talk about that it would be great if you could heal from everything. But I've also found that I don't think that you can heal from everything during this journey. I found this lady who said that you can figure out a way to carry it. And we show them if you can figure out a way to express it and find the courage to express it, you can find connection with other humans who have walked the same road. And you can find hope in there. You can find hope in that space. Man, that isn't that like right now is that's it right that you know just not finding the cure but finding the hope. I think that's super important for people to understand that uh, as we are navigating. I don't know just this weird life that we're all living right now. Um, and I've been advocating people to crack open a journal because one, it is therapy. It's, and I love how you say it's free therapy. Uh, two, you're documenting uh, 
a life experience that <laughs> I'll, I'll bet Barnes and Nobles is going to be filled with books about COVID-19, <laughs> you know, come. Right, right. right? <laughs> so, I've seen people post that, that, that we're going to have an influx of babies in nine months, but we should also have an influx in very creative projects like music mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff it should be coming out, out of, like you said, it's a great time to, to do that. And I think if, if people would just, in times like this, we almost have to be okay with abandoning, finding all the answers and focus on the awareness. Like find the awareness in yourself and also be aware that you, we have an opportunity to become more aware of everything going on around us. Like right now, we're all experiencing something we've never experienced before, but other people have. Other people know what it's like to be confined like this, even on a more intense level. Those people are in prisons, they're in institutions, they're um, foster kids or orphaned kids. And it's a time for us to be aware that um, we feel helpless right now. There's lots of groups of humans who feel helpless like this a lot of the time. So not only awareness about ourselves, but also about awareness of the people that we're sharing this planet with. Yeah, that's super powerful because it's so easy to just disconnect from those other situations because we don't have any bearing like we don't have any way to relate but i love how you say that we actually are living lives that other people live all the time like there's no escaping it ever so uh, i love that you bring that to light um so i'm gonna switch this around a little bit i i know you get a lot of inspiration uh from your sister do you mind telling that story a little bit yeah, absolutely. Uh, my younger sister, Tessa, um, she, we both, like I said, lived a similar journey of recovery. Uh, she would have had 10 years clean and sober in October of 2018. And mm -hmm. she was out for a walk. She was, we were both big on this mind, body, spirit journey that you would not just set goals in one area of your life, that you would set them in all areas of your life. And um, her physical goal, for may of 2018 was she was uh she was a big hiker and walker so she was walking of doing that 5k a day in may program where you walk a 5k every day and it was may 23rd of 2018 and she was out for a walk less than two miles from my parents farm that we grew up on and a guy who had been out drinking that day he had been a younger guy in his early 20s was also on his phone uh, hit her and killed her and left her there and easily the worst day of my life easily the worst day of my life oh Lost by her. far yeah 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 um but you know the uh, same with uh when my dad suddenly passed jolts you and i always say that the blessing in that situation are here we are, here I am talking to you, right? And I created apps, I created programs. Um, I know Tessa has uh, uh, influenced <laughs> the, the choices that you've made just recently, like with the books you're writing and things, you always uh, tend to, to attribute a lot to her. So could you talk more towards that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have a hard time still, and maybe it'll change, I'm not sure, but I, I don't, I still don't see it as a blessing. I know some people do and it works for them. That's great for me. Um, I see it as my only option. Like I've got a, I've got, I always try to figure out what my options are 
And the only option that I have in my mind with this is to figure out a way to turn it into connection with other people who have experienced loss and the other people who are behind me who will be experiencing it someday down the road, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. that's, that's it. Like, um, yeah, sometimes I think that's, that's it is that connection. And, um, yeah, it opens up a world that you don't, you're not, again, it opened up some awareness. I had no idea. I had lost people. I had also lost people tragically. Um, but I've never lost anybody. My sister, other than my kids, my sister was the person that I was closest to on this planet. You know, we were just very similar. Mm -hmm. And when you lose somebody like that, that fast, the amount of trauma that it not just does to your mind, but your body, uh, I had no idea. I had no idea what it would do to what it could do to somebody physically and mentally. Um, just that, that trauma. And thankfully there's a group, I found this lady, Megan Devine is her name and she's a counselor and she lost a husband tragically. And she wrote this book called it's okay not to be okay. And has a group called refuge in the grief on Facebook. And I finally found people there who understood it because I just, I was having a hard time finding each loss is different too. You know what I mean? Like I, sibling loss, I only found it in that group, but you never find anything on sibling loss. You don't find a lot of people talk about it. You don't find a lot of books on it. So I was having a hard time. And that's after I t went through one of her programs. That's why I decided to put my experience in the last two books was because I wasn't finding what I felt I needed to connect to. I didn't find anybody saying how I felt, you know, like saying, I'm, I'm, you could probably tell in the books, I'm very raw and very honest yeah. and I don't, I don't hold back on any of it. I don't pretend, um, you know, I don't pretend in there at all, but that's what I needed to hear. I needed to know that I yeah. wasn't crazy, even though I felt like it every day, you know? Oh my gosh. I love that because, uh, I think when you're dealing with such a drastic change in life and people are facing it on different levels right now, whether, you know, it is an unexpected loss, uh, of a loved one or a job or, you know, their home, their electricity getting cut off, whatever they're facing, uh, it's that we got to pretend like everything's fine in order to get ahead on this. And I'm glad that you're bringing it up that, I, no, you got to actually let those emotions process through you and, a, and uh, you used your gift, which is also super important, I think, to use your gifts to help process those emotions. So um, would you, okay, so- uh, can, I say, gonna, can I say one more yeah. thing about grief? Yes, please, uh, this, please. This is, the, this is one of the strangest things that I found about grief is, it's it's one of those things that's it's a hundred percent chance that everybody's going to experience it in our culture, but it's one of the fewest things that we talk about. It's like one of those important things that needs to be at the top, and how to help people heal from it, how to help people, you know, just be mm -hmm. in what. But but we don't we don't talk about it. We don't. And then when you do talk about it, um, like you said, I, I wanted to express how I felt, but I found when I expressed my anger, people didn't want to hear it. People wanted to hear me say stuff like. God's got a plan. Well, I don't care. And I don't believe that. And that doesn't work for me. But if I would say it, people would think that, you know, just they would have these, uh, the pushback out. Cause I, not only am I insanely sad, like I feel like since I lost her, there's so much sadness that I feel every day. I also have this rage and this anger that I didn't find anybody in our society could help me understand it other than I had done some work and made some great relationships over the years with some tribal people and they understood it. 
they understood the rage and the expression and that you need to embrace it and not run from it and definitely not hide it. That's a bad thing. But those are the, those are some of the things I think it would be really helpful, especially coming out of this because there are, is going to be a lot of loss coming out of this and, and people will feel like they have to hide it. And I think that's why a lot of people stay home after that kind of loss and hide themselves is because mm -hmm. once you try to show it, my kids said it great. They said, it's like you got this open wound and everybody just wants to stick a finger in it or they want you to hide it, but they don't mm -hmm. ever want to talk about it. So that's just, that's just my thought on that. Like I really, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing some of the stuff that I do with the grief is I found that it wasn't acceptable or if I didn't give the answer that everybody wanted, it was just strange, you know, it was just, just strange. Well, tell me more about what the uh, uh, Native American culture, what, how, what was their process? What, that's well, really interesting. It, so what it was, was that, that it, I, I thought I was experiencing a lot of anger. Like I wanted to, I wanted to wreck, like I wanted to wreck stuff. I wanted to destroy my house. I wanted to destroy myself. I wanted, I just mm -hmm. had these feelings of, and um, one of my friends said, it's not, he's like, first of all, it's not anger, it's rage. He was like, what's your experience? It is rage and it's very tribal. He said, somebody was taken from you very violently. And um, he told me that it was important that I found ways to express the rage in a healthy way. So part of it for me is writing, but I also needed some kind of uh, trauma to feel good. So I needed to punch stuff and hit stuff and kick stuff. And I go out into the woods and just I blood run. Good Earth is my favorite place to go for this is I'll go out in the woods and just scream and yell and get it out of my body. Because otherwise it just circulates and it was just burning up so much energy inside of me and I wasn't finding ways to get it out. I was wore out from it. I was wore out from my anger. And I was, I was worried about it because I, I was worried that I couldn't control my temper. So like when I see my sister was killed by somebody who was drinking and on their phone. So when I drive next to somebody and I honk at them for being on their phone and they flip me off, I want to follow that person and hurt them. And if I can't control my anger, then I can't make the right decision to go home. So mm -hmm. I need, I was just, what they said was I was full. My cup of anger was completely full and I needed to figure out a way to pour it out. So through different, different exercises, some of them being physical expressions, some of them being spiritual expressions and always again, writing stuff on paper. This one was given to me years ago was writing stuff on paper and then burning it. You know, th those kind of ceremonial expressions mm -hmm. are are important, but just having some of those tools, that's what me and my sister were about. We're trying to find tools that were helpful to us and offering them to other people so we could um, maneuver through life a little bit better. Yeah, and uh, it, it's important. I love all this. I love like the idea of going out and just letting it out because it, it, it will trap in your body at a cellular level and manifest into something else. Uh, and I don't think you have to lose a loved one to, uh, let it go because most people are, are suffering from some form of depression, especially now, um, 70% of all Americans are on at least one prescription drug, eight of the top 10 are for stress related illnesses. We're super stressed. Right. And we, the only coping mechanisms we have are to consume to ignore it and to uh, evade it as much as possible. And then it just gets worse. But I, that's super, that's super cool to go out and just let it out and 
Um, I think well, I might have to do that. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go full circle, full house, like moment with this and put a bow on it. Cause like you said, you know, how, how high the depression and stress is. It was another thing that my friend gave me, uh, I call him Arizona Rick. Is he said, at every intersection, we have to ask ourselves, what am I doing and for whom? So anytime something happens in my life, I need to ask myself that question. He taught me, he told me it again. And, and I was, you know, I was still kind of cranky, but he, he brought that up to me again when I lost my sister. He said, it's another opportunity for you to ask yourself, what are you doing and for whom? And I think me personally, for my own journey and for other people that I've seen and, and talked with and tried to help is we are very stressed and depressed and full of anxiety when we are not operating out of our full self. And when you get to be who you are and say what you feel and do what you feel you were put here to do, you will see a lot of that stuff go away because mm -hmm. you're not working out of your full authentic tool belt. You're not, you don't have all access to all the pieces of you because you're hiding them. So when he tells me, you know, what are you doing and for whom am I living my life? The one that I know that I was showed up here and why I'm here, or am I still pretending to be somebody else for other people? And I feel like when you do, if you would start there, you'll find a lot more answers if you start there. Well, and okay, are we putting the bow on it? Because I'm going to put the bow. I on just, it. Feel, I, like, I thought <laughs> you, you had a great, you had a great point about about that that all that stuff. You know, we we have all this pent up stuff, and it's like I, I would I would just start there with everybody's. Let's let's. Um, who are you? You know, who, who, yes. who are you? And, and start answering that question. And you'll feel so much better when you stop playing that game and start living yours. Like, and when you do that, you'll, you'll find when they started posing those questions to me in my life, I found so much, uh, so much more energy and happiness. And, uh, I mean, to talk about lifting depression, uh, you want to be depressed, stay in a job, stay in a situation that you don't like. How can you not be depressed? You know, um, mm -hmm. but you know, well, that. That's the word. Yes. you know that. Right. Well, I, I, I feel we are naturally producers. We're naturally creators. Right. And that's where they say the God is in you or energy forces in you. It's because you were here to create, not to consume, but yet we're in a culture where we're taught that happiness is through consumption, whether it's Netflix, alcohol, um, drugs, whatever it is. If you consume this, then you will be happy. If you have this, then you'll be happy. But I actually feel that if you create, whether it's you know a loaf of bread, which I did this morning, um, poetry, uh, connections, uh, opportunities, just any sort of writing, any sort of anything, um, we are all natural creators. That's where you're going to find your juice. That's where you're going to find your joy. And I love how it's uh, brought around with who are you doing it for or what are you doing it for? Right. And I go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Julia Cameron has like when, when you were saying the create thing, because I love that Julia Cameron has written some great books on creating. One of them is called Finding Water and one of them is called The Artist's Way. And she said, if you don't express it, creativity will turn on you, like it, it will turn on you. So if you're not going to the page and you're not going to the easel or you're not going to bake some bread, like it's, it's, it's inside of you and it needs to come out. Mm -hmm. And, and I a hundred percent agree with, with your statement on that is that, it ha that you will find contentment in, in creating. 
Yeah. And uh, so let's, but I, I love all this. <laughs> I love that uh, we're, we're promoting this, especially now when people have uh, a new opportunity to create life differently. Um, tell me about the books. So you have three books, four books? How many three books? books. Yeah, three three books. books. Okay. Tell yep. me about these three books. Uh, the first book is called Rhythm Wisdom, The Endangered Humans Traveling Guide. That one I wrote, um, that one I wrote when I first sobered up, uh, I've been clean and sober for 15 years now. And in the first year, the amount of people that were put in my path and the wisdom that they were giving me, I just made this deal with myself that if I could, if I could stay sober, cause I was, I was at the point in my addiction where I was, people were dying around me. People were going to jail that just, it was, it was a very dangerous place. And I knew and I was, I was addicted, but I wasn't dumb. I knew how that story was going to end. So I just had this thing in my mind that if I could make it, that I would, I would make a book that had some of the stuff in it that really changed me and really helped me. So that book is, has some of those things in there, in that style with some, there's some poetry in there, but it's more of a self-reflection book and some of the wisdom that was given to me in those first five years that, that, that saved, saved my life and not just saved it, but changed it, made it, made it worth not going back and, and using and drinking anymore. Cool. Very cool. What's the second one? The second one is Wolves and Words, a rhythmic walk in the woods. And that one is a bunch of rhythmic reflections on answering those questions about going inward. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? And also there's a chapter in there on grief and loss and a chapter in there on uh, depression and anxiety. And then the back of every chapter of those books, I put this, it's basically like a junk drawer of everything that didn't fit in a chapter. And, and, and oh, there's also a chapter in there on, on narcissism, like uh, narcissistic personalities, because I believe that's, um, we were talking earlier about stuff that we, we don't talk about, like grief. I don't think we talk enough about uh, toxic people who are out there to collect people and, and use them and destroy them. And I think that's a, very important topic that because they hide out in certain places you know family systems school systems church systems and i think it would be very helpful for people to just be aware especially kids is just to let them know that there are some dangerous people out there ah oh, that's you know one of my uh i think it might even be my most listened to podcast is how to deal with narcissists so uh definitely I'll I'll put that in. Is it okay if I put some of these in the show notes? That yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll put links to all of his books and everything in the show notes as well. Um, and what's the third book? Uh, the third one is called Winged Words, and that's a rhythmic walk in the wind. And uh, very similar chapters, just part two. The only difference is there's not a chapter on addiction. There's a chapter in there on creating and creativity in that one. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, uh, and when I reached out to you, you were, it was after you posted a poem. Would you read that one to us now? I just love that poem. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This one's called, this one's called Freedom. It goes like this. I remember the first time I heard someone say, fuck the system. It sounded so cool. I was like, well, fuck yeah, I'm all in. I want to listen. I was like 84 or more, probably like 100% all in. I was with them. And then somebody came along and whispered some wisdom. She said, young man, listen, life is a lot less about making love to the system and a lot more about untwisting from self-imposed prisons. There's three of them, she said, let me list them. The first one is the prison of the mind. 
If you've never taken the time to unwind and see how they've used thoughts, belief systems, and storylines to keep you in line, never questioned, is any of this shit in my mind mine? Then more than likely, it's not. Like most of us, you've been living a pre-programmed system. The only way to step out of that prison is you start questioning every old, new, and original thought. You start stepping out of line. You start chanting, I am no longer robot. The second self-imposed prison is the prison of consumption. Everything I put in front of my eyes, the things I allow my ears to hear, the stuff I put in my mouth and the environments I force my skin to be in, it is either medicine or mayhem. Something that's either been sent to help heal me or hurt me. Something that will either contain me or help set me free. Once you figure out the keys of consumption, you will be handed the keys of the kingdom and be able to freely walk in and out of any self-imposed prison. The third one, she told me just like everybody else, I would need to figure it out for myself. She said everybody has a third one and they usually know exactly what it is. It's usually been something that's been around from the time that you were a kid. She told me I would need to figure a way to tunnel myself out and then turn around and help other people out. And it would be the only way that I could guarantee that I would stay out was by helping other people out. Then she winked at me, gave me a high five and a pat on the back, and she hopped in the back of a Jet Black 77 Cadillac and had a Cartier clock on the dash with the hands frozen in time at 8.48 a.m. She rolled down a heavily tinted window and lit a Bel Air 100 cigarette. It was menthol, I could tell by the hint of mint in the air, and as the smoke slowly rolled out of her nose, she said, hey, kid, one more thing. Don't have any opinions on any religions or play any kind of games with politics till you know how to wake up every morning. And use all your energy and creativity to govern over your own inner territory. Use all that power and juice to govern over yourself. Then you don't have to worry about making love to the system. You can sit back with a big old bowl of popcorn and watch it go fuck itself. Then she said, then you will understand freedom. That is so awesome. I love that poem. Oh my gosh. And I feel so honored to like have my own personal <laughs> recital of it. Um, <laughs> do, do, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Tell me about when that came to you. Tell me about that poem. I wrote that for a friend of mine that was incarcerated. And I was trying to, I wrote, well, so I wrote it for him. And then as I was writing it, because I was thinking about, you know, it talks about the self-imposed prisons and, um, it's not just for somebody who's in a physical detainment facility, but also somebody who's in the prison of a, the past or prison of their belief systems or prison of their minds or people who want to feel like they're going to fight back against the government or whatever. It's a way for you to take ownership of the stuff that you actually have control over and make the biggest difference you possibly can. Those are the lessons that were taught to me about like, okay, you want to change stuff, Travis, you need to start asking better questions. You want to change stuff, you need to start with your mind and your body and your spirit. And then once you've done that, then you can start changing stuff for your family and your inner circle. And then you can watch the ripple effects happen. And so that was the kind of life that my sister lived in the, watching the ricochet and the ripple of her love cruise around the world when she was lost. Um, I don't think people are aware of what they can and what they don't have control over. And if you would focus on those things, you would see some, you, you would just love your life a lot more. You know what I mean? You just would. Um, that's where that, that's where that came from. As I was, I was thinking about people who feel like, you know, cause when you are in prison, it does feel like that, that, that they don't have control, but there's a lot of, you'll meet a lot of people in prison. If you would hang out with them, the ones who know what they have control over, they're freaking brilliant. And some of the best writers I've met, I've written with people all over this country and some of the most brilliant ones I've ever written with are incarcerated. And those are the ones who have taken control of their mind and they take control of the time while they're in there. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing to me is watching people 
um, fully embrace the stuff that they can change and then make those changes. That's freedom. I thought you wrote that. <laughs> I thought you wrote that for the the isolation that we're all sp- facing now and uh, the the home isolation. So <laughs> I'm glad you explained that to me. Yeah. It, it does. It works for now too. Like now is yeah. the time. Now is the time to to take a look at those things. You know, like I could take my time and I could go on Facebook and I could argue with somebody about stuff that I really don't really at the core know anything about. Or mm-hmm. I could take that same juice, like Hemingway said, we all only get a certain amount of juice every day and we got to figure out where we're going to put it. So if I want to put it towards something useful, I could put it towards creating stuff, like you said, or I could put it towards um, maybe there's some healing that I needed to take care of that I didn't do in my past. Or maybe this is the season for me to rest. Maybe people have been going hard. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. You've been fighting and fighting and fighting and all this. And then now you have an opportunity to rest. You're like, I can't rest. I need to keep fighting people, you know? So just identifying what, what you really need for your journey and then doing it. Right. Uh, So um, I, I, I think I want to open with that one. Uh, Do you have another poem in your hip pocket that you can share with us? Oh, good. Yes, I do. I do. I was just working on this one. Uh, I'm actually going to do, I have it out, but I'm going to do a collaboration with the Sioux Falls Music Chamber Collective. It's a group of musicians. They're just insanely talented, all sorts of violinists, piano, cello, flute, and they're just a cool organization. They partner with dance, and now that I did one collaboration with some poetry with them, but this has been a cool thing that's come out of this for me is that I usually only have time to maybe collaborate once or twice a year with another artist. And I'm already working with more people in the last two months than I have in years because we all have time. It's going to look a little different, but I'm gonna, I have a friend of mine. She's got an incredible voice, Tara Faber. She's writing this song and I'll have a poem in it. And I've got a friend, Brett Ferguson. He's a crazy genius uh, guitar player. He's been posting a lot of videos, but we're going to collaborate on something. So this collaboration of people. Well, you, and I think, you know, uh, Emily Wilson, she's one of the people who I've seen take this as an opportunity to connect people. She's got that group called Better Together Sioux Falls. And I've seen people mm-hmm. do similar groups on Facebook all over the world where you connect and, and it's, I've connected with people on there. So uh, this is a time, even though we feel isolated, it is also a time of connection because we're all experiencing similar feelings and it's a chance for us to connect in that. So I've, I've found, you know, even though I do feel like I'm distanced from some people that I do want to spend time with, I've also had the opportunity to connect with some people. So this poem, uh, I talked to, talked to that group about uh, putting out something that has some hope in it, you know, and they, so they've got this beautiful uh, violin, and I think there's a cello in it. And then this one is called, What's on the Other Side of a Wednesday? It goes like this. Always stay curious about what's on the other side of a Wednesday. You never know what's coming next Wednesday. The feelings, the opportunities, the possibilities, the rewriting of destinies, those great big boulder-sized orange sunrises that open all eyes, those books, the books that have those one-of-a-kind lines that just freeze time, they're on the other side of a Wednesday. And so is that movie you've been waiting for. And a song coming you didn't even know you were waiting for, but you're going to know it when you hear it because it's going to have that kind of hook, that one-of-a-kind hook that you can't stop singing all day and you're going to have it on replay on another side of another Wednesday. It's all going to be there. And so is the acceptance and the courage and the comfort and the answers and the laughter and the peace that you've been waiting for. It's going to be on the other side of a Wednesday. It's always on the other side of a Wednesday. 
It could be this coming Thursday. It's usually not on a Thursday for some reason, but it could be this coming Friday or next Friday or this coming Sunday. But it's gonna be on the other side of a Wednesday. I promise it will be there. There's gonna be at least three or four, probably more dogs that you haven't pet yet that are gonna cross your path and they're gonna look into your eyes with their eyes and request for you to pet it. There's gonna be some soft, warm breadsticks waiting in the oven on the other side of a Wednesday. There's going to be a person positioned on a future path and they're going to need you, need who you are, need how you are, need what you know, and you're going to need them needing you. And there's going to be another person down another path after another Wednesday and you're going to need them, need who they are, need how they are, need what they know and you'll need each other. Trust me, I'm a lot of things, but not a liar. And I promise I've seen enough Wednesdays to see it. It's always on the other side of another Wednesday. You just need to keep showing up. There's always another reason to stay, another reason to try one more way, try one more day on the other side of another Wednesday. Make sure you put us on your calendar. You're on our calendar. We need you to be there. We will be there. We look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. That's how that one goes. That is awesome. And I had to put my microphone on mute because I always snort laugh during <laughs> poetry. There's always something in there like, oh, it's not on you a Tuesday. I love snort laughter. That's my favorite. That's <laughs> yeah, I always do. Oh, it's never on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Everybody hates Thursdays. Thursdays, yeah. they don't get any love. They never show up right? anywhere. Not in any songs or not in anybody. They don't get it. There's never nothing cool about Thursdays, unfortunately, for Thursdays. So. Oh, I cannot wait to hear that with the, uh, is it, what, did you say the South Dakota Symphony? Is that who's doing uh, it? Or it's, the, it's the Sioux Falls, uh, Sioux Falls Chamber Music Collective. And they've oh, got a yeah. Facebook page and they've been putting out a lot of, a lot of great material right now too. And they've got a page and the, they're doing a series called Music Over Fear. Oh, cool. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, uh, and uh, before we wa wrap this up, I hope it's okay. You and I were talking before we uh, hit record and you were sharing uh, how you were thinking of having a show or a podcast. Could I share that? Are you, is that in the works? Because I know yeah. Yeah. my listeners are going to say, hey, I want more of him. And I know uh, I'll put, you know, all your links, YouTube and stuff, but I think they'll want to have a podcast. So tell us more about that. It's just something that I was kicking around and I was actually getting ready. I have one poetry album out, spoken word poetry, and I was going to start recording it right before the whole quarantine thing happened. So I was getting frustrated that I couldn't work on it. So I started ordering the equipment and was going to start recording it in my house. And I figured as long as I was doing that, you had and a couple other people had mentioned in the past that I should do some kind of podcast. So I thought mm -hmm. now would be a good time to start doing that, too. It doesn't have a name yet. There's no name. So, but yeah, that's, that's the plan. Uh, I think, um, what is that human's word that you always use? Um, endangered humans. Of, endangered humans. The name of your first book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's always one of my favorite. I want a t-shirt with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. They need to get some shirts, some shirts going. I, some guy gave me the idea for the name of the, the album because he messaged me and said that he thinks my book has been verified as non-essential because it, it's not leaving the warehouse to get to his house so i thought maybe i would call the the album non-essential sounds so maybe i could call the podcast that <laughs> i love it i love it yeah so um i'll put all your links in the show notes and uh if you need help getting that podcast up i'll help, definitely help you with that because i know my listeners are going to be wanting it um anything else you want to share with people uh before we 
make our way on this beautiful Friday? You know, uh, just uh, one thing as we were we were laughing together there, just just that like laughter is mm. such an important piece of medicine. It's like a gift from God, whether you believe in God or whatever you believe in. It's one of the Victor Frankl talks about that, that it's one of the soul's greatest weapons is is laughter. And it might sound strange, but you can schedule laughter and it went like that's always been a reoccurring theme in my recovery from drugs and alcohol in my uh, depression and anxiety and again losing my sister tessa um people who are very wise a lot wiser than me telling me to make sure i'm laughing every week because it creates mm-hmm. air where there is no air so i know everybody you know you if you flip through a lot of the stuff that's available to watch it's a lot of drama and a lot of action but we need laughter right now you need that medicine and whatever it is that makes you laugh, write it down, put it on the calendar and laugh with your family and have these kind of conversations because it's good medicine and it, 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 it'll help a ton. So that was just when you were laughing, it just popped in my mind. I love Victor Frankl and, and that, that, that quote from him. So, and I appreciate you, Carla. You're, you're always pushing good medicine and good energy out there. And I appreciate you and, and you know, what you do and the people like you who try to get, you know, um, I know I already swore once, so I'll say it. I always look at people like you as balancers of the bullshit because there's so much of it out there. We need people like you who balance it and, and then the scales, they, they go back a little bit more. So I appreciate you doing that and allowing me the opportunity to, to do it with you today. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I love that. I think I'm going to put that in my bio. So <laughs> <laughs> That needs to be on a shirt too. Yeah, right. I think so. We're going to start our own line. Thank you so much. That's Travis Jacobs, wordsmith extraordinaire, soon podcaster, author, and um, course creator. Honestly, I think you're going to find out a lot of new fans from this podcast. And thank you so much for your time today. Okay. Thank you, Carla. Take care, buddy. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if you want to create a radical shift in your life, all you have to do is head over to thegratitudeapp.com and that will take you directly to the app store where you can download it and start using the Gratitude app today. Now, if you're the type of person who loves to help out family and friends, be sure to share this episode. And if you ever want to reach out to me, just head on over to Instagram at Hey Carla White. I'd love to hear from you and hear your comments. Until then, keep being limitless, keep being adventurous, and keep creating radical shifts.